0: Welcome to the Mixmasters podcast, a program created by me, Steve Litcher, live sound engineer for the band Stitched Up Heart. I created this podcast during the COVID pandemic as a means to keep in contact with my friends and mentors from the live sound industry. Touring with Stitched Up Heart has led me to meet some really incredible people, and I wanted to introduce you to their stories. So whether you're an experienced engineer, a hobbyist, or someone who's just wondered what goes into mixing a live music show, this podcast is for you. I've got to thank my friend Merrick Goodwin for this killer intro music. Merritt is the lead guitarist for Stitched Up Heart, and he's an incredible musician and composer. Give him a shout on Facebook at Merritt Goodwin or on Instagram at Doubt the Trust. Thanks again for joining me. Now let's bring up the faders and start the podcast. My guest for this episode of Mixmasters is the one and only Sam Abernathy. Sam cut his teeth mixing for clubs in and around the Atlanta area, and then jumped in as the front of house engineer for Fozzie. I met Sam last year while on tour with Like a Storm and Through Fire, and I was wowed by his ability to get a warm, full, powerful mix from a Bonestock Midas M32. I've gone on to refer to Sam as the M32 Whisperer, because his mixes are unbelievably amazing on that platform. We talk about some of the basic methodologies he uses to get his M32 to sound so good. And we talk about touring with Fozzie, including a direct support role with Iron Maiden. There are so many fun stories in this episode. I'm confident this will quickly become a favorite of anyone who listens. So it is my sincere pleasure to introduce to you my friend, Sam Abernathy. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mixed Masters podcast. I am joined today by one of my favorite people on the planet, Sam Abernathy. And Sam is joining me on Zoom today by way of Atlanta Sam, it has been almost a year since I've seen you. How have you been, my man?
1: My brother, I have been as well as a man can be. Uh, just literally living my dream every day and uh, spending time doing great things with great people.
0: That's awesome. Well, today might be the exception because you have to hang out with me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I like everybody that listens knows I like to pick on myself quite a bit here. But, um, hey,
1: but- if we can't make fun of ourselves, then, then we don't have the right to make fun of others.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get started, you uh, are recovering from some surgery. Do you do you want to fill everybody in on how that went?
1: Um. Yeah. I've had a an inguinal hernia for a while, and uh, you know, it, it just really, uh, actually, on the tour that we met on, it got really bad, where it had messed up my back to where I, I couldn't even bend over. Um. So this, you know, with COVID and everything going on, I took this time that you know nobody needed me for anything so i could take care of myself and uh i'm about a month out a little over a month out doing all right you know
0: doing okay glad to hear that um when i learned that you were going in for the surgery i knew you were hurting last summer but i didn't realize it was related to the hernia yeah i just remember a couple of venues you were i think pulling out the the cat snake and yeah. and you were like oh jesus <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it was bad it was rough man and it's been it's been rough for a while, but you know what? Like us, all of us road dogs, you know, when when the 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 call is uh, is is put out, we don't say no, and we take care of what we have to take care of, you know. So sometimes we're at the bottom of the list, and luckily, I had time to take care of it.
0: Sage advice. Well, let's call it a podcast, and uh, I'll wish you well. No, I'm joking. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so. I got to spend a fair amount of time with you last summer. Right. And during that time I learned a lot about you, but I really didn't learn how you got started in music. I do know you're a fantastic guitar player, but I was wondering if you would take us back to your younger days and sort of your earliest memory of music and getting getting involved with an instrument and then take us through how that got you involved in sound production. We can we can jump in and out as as necessary.
1: Yeah. I, I will try to make this the cliff notes version as much as I can. But uh, long story short, I started playing guitar when I was three. Um, I have pictures of me playing a, uh, this guitar uh, right here. I know the people on on the, on the video can't see, but it's still right beside me. This guitar, I have pictures of me playing this when I was three years old and my grandfather's um, black. My grandfather was a guitar player. My dad's a guitar player. My great grandfather played in uh played piano in silent movies so i come from a line of musicians
0: that's crazy i had no idea
1: yeah so i actually uh i played in bands Uh, i started playing out in bars when i was like 14 um i have fronted bands i fronted a three-piece like rock and blues band doing like zz top and acdc and stuff for like 10 years actually won a couple of awards Um, I won there was a a music competition called emergenza back in the mid-2000s and I won best guitarist in the southeast chapter in 2008 and two or 2007 and 2008 and then I also won it in the the national finals in Chicago uh, 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 In 2008 study jazz lifelong guitar player the transition went from uh, I played a club Uh, called 120 Tavern uh, in Marietta. Actually, it wasn't 120 Tavern. It was called Sidelines before that. And uh, with my band at the time called Uber Stout, which is my metal band. Uh, And the club owner, Sam Ivey, uh, needed a bouncer. Uh, We we found out after we brought about 250 people to the club. And, And I was like, hey, I've bounced a lot. I'll come work at your club. And then it turned out later on, he needed a production manager. And I was like, well, nobody else knows how to do it. And I play in a band, so I learned how to production manage. And then in that, I started getting creeping into like, well, how do monitors work? Well, how does this work? All that. And then eventually, like, I had to fire a front of house guy, and I was the only guy there. And I just had to step behind the desk and make it happen. And it was trial by fire.
0: Do you happen to remember what that desk was?
1: It was a personas uh 2442 uh yep awesome and uh through a, through a set uh let's what do we have in that with that that room? we had a it, it had become 120 tower at that point uh, i think we had JBL VRX 932 LAPs 3 over um EAWLA 218s per side
0: Oh, the LAs yeah not oh, yeah. even like the SB 1000s or anything like that
1: no man, but it was a rocking little club, man. It was great, and it taught me how to be an engineer because I had to cobble together a national level PA with stuff that was just provided to me, you know. And met a lot of great guys, and still continue to be friends with them through that club, you know.
0: That's uh, that's a fantastic story, mm-hmm. and that really was the Cliff Notes version. I was thinking we'd go a little bit more in depth, but that's uh, I really hey, we
1: can touch in on it too, yeah, because <laughs> it, it it all there's more.
0: <laughs> I would like to talk a little bit about your experience with uh, working with that early PA and, and being self-taught. I watched you on a number of occasions at clubs last summer, theaters, finding and diagnosing problems in their PA for them uh, in real time. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you picked up doing that at the 120 Club or or were you always naturally...
1: Yeah, it, it really was. And also, I uh, I currently still, when the world is normal, work uh, pretty much full time at a place here in Atlanta called the Masquerade, where I know a lot of these guys that are on your podcast from as a house engineer. And, um, you know, just 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 being through it so much like I, the Masquerade's got three rooms, you know, and I know those PAs like the back of my hand and just having to be able to, to I know what I need to mix my bands and I know I can just, you know, I'll hear something out of phase or out of line or something. I'll be like, yo, yeah, we got to fix that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully the club is better for it.
0: How long were you serving as the house engineer at 120 before you started uh, getting involved with bands and doing sort of some? I'm assuming you started regional touring or did you jump right in, full, both feet?
1: I jumped straight into Fozzie. Like I went 120 closed, and I'll tell you that story. So, Um, So I was at 120 from. I think 2012 to 2017. So about five years. Yeah. And then it closed kind of very suddenly. And I put the call out here in Atlanta to say, hey, you know, I need some work. If anybody can help me out, I sure would love it. And my friend Jason Jenkins, uh, he is Mark Wills front of house guy. He's real good friends with Rich Ward and uh, put my name in the bucket and said, and Rich said, yeah, I remember, I remember Sam he did a great job as a production manager. And I did a show for him doing Stuck Mojo. And then next thing you know, he's offered me a gig with Fozzie. So it was great. It's a Cinderella story. I went from a closed down club to a tour bus.
0: Wow. That's crazy. So you went from the club to Stuck Mojo to Fozzie.
1: Yeah. I did one gig with Stuck Mojo, which is, you know, Rich's band as well. And he was like, I love how you work. I love your work ethic. I love how you mix. I want to give you a, a shot. And he did. And 24 countries later.
0: You avoided all of like the 15 passenger white vans and all of that. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, yes and no, because I did it as a musician, you know. So I went through all that as a musician, as a guitar player, as a front man doing, you know, I, I, I did. Uh, I, I sang and played guitar in a three piece for years, you know, and also did a bunch of uh other stuff too. So I mean I went through it, but just not as a production guy.
0: Gotcha. And when I met you last summer, you were you were not out with Fozzie. I know Fozzie is your primary gig, but you were working Mm -hmm. with uh Through Fire and All That Remains. And I think you like a storm. I'm sorry. Through fire and like a storm. That's my bad. Um I'm old and I've been cooped (laughs) up too long and (laughs) I don't have enough uh stimulus to keep the brain right current. Yeah. But uh, you were do you were also a tour manager, production manager, front of house on that on Monitors. that tour. Monitors, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. It's, it's I came up doing it all by myself and taught myself by myself. That it's literally just easier for me to get it all done on my own than to fight somebody else's game structure. Than to you know have to deal with a tour manager telling me when I can load in and when I can load out. It's just easier for me to captain the ship and take care of it and, and know that it's done right every time.
0: You did know, you, did you have any experience as like a project manager or anything, or you just picked all of that up through the One Hundred and Twenty Club? <laughs> I
1: a lot of my management stuff. I worked for Best Buy for a long time, and they sent me to management school. And uh, I actually worked uh, helping my mom manage a uh, manage a homeless shelter for many years, and and I managed a vape store. Like every job I've ever been into, I've managed. My first job in the entertainment industry, I managed a bring your own beer bar in Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge, Georgia, in, uh, in two thousand and one. I was twenty one. Yeah. So just I just somehow have figured out a way to help manage people and do things.
0: I think there's this this old stereotype that sound guys are these grumpy old sound guys. But the very first moment I met you, you were super personable. You were super accommodating. And that's probably why you naturally are strong and able to do that type of things.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And, and I'll touch on that. And that's been the stereotype, but why would a sound guy be grumpy? Like, why would, why would you be grumpy about getting on a tour bus with a band that you love going out, making them sound great, and getting back in that bus in the end of the night and doing it all again tomorrow like
0: it makes no like sense why
1: would you be grumpy yeah
0: you know i had to pinch myself a number of times working with stitched up Heart. i covered most of those bases except for the making them sound great i'm still
1: <laughs> no man you get you you it was so cool because we ne- i never knew when you were really coming in you just kind of show up and I'm like oh cool steve's here I know they're going to sound great tonight, you know, because you did, you, you pull it together. You always made them sound good. So, you know, with very, very limited time and resources. So much respect to you for that, sir.
0: I appreciate that. And I will flip you a 20 uh, via Venmo at the end of this uh, podcast. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of sounding great, um, you're like the M32 whisperer. I've referred to you on some of my other podcasts with other guests and we were doing a round table with like eric rogers and drew thornton and uh uh, alex marchides and we're like talking about you know consoles and problems and blah 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 and somebody made a comment about the um m32 and i was like well hold on a second here the m32 is a really solid board because i know a guy who can tickle the sliders or the faders and the the controls so well that he was able to run direct support for Iron Maiden on an M32. So, can you take me into a little bit about what you found? Are some of the secrets to getting such huge sound? Like you mix so dynamically and so it's such a powerful mix, but it's not crushingly loud. Like it's well, thank
1: you. That's yeah, that's where I'm going for. I want to mix like a big old hug. You yeah. know, <laughs> I just want to it surrounds you with just frequency and 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 Make, make sure that everything is represented. Well, thing that there's a great compliments and, and that really makes me feel raised an engineer. I, th- I appreciate that. Um, my tricks with the M 32 really came from the personas, right? So I had to learn on a personas, which had, as we know, like no headroom, like that thing had just nothing. So I had to use those four little subgroups to try to press down and make up gain as much as I could. And, um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw two names out here and I hope, hopefully they'll hear this. Uh, my friend, Jeff Perkins and my friend, Aaron Hill, they're guys here in Atlanta that, that said, Hey, have you ever heard about this stuff called parallel compression? And I was like, no, they are like, here, watch this. And so Aaron, Aaron really kind of started me thinking about it. And then Jeff who ended up becoming my boss for a while at a vape store. And that's a whole different story. He's one of my best friends still. Um, He showed me how to do the kick drum thing that I showed you. The I call it my zero to Vinnie Paul, um, and it's just the the way I make it sound like a trigger and natural at the same time. And it's really just stacking gain down, and then bringing it all back up into the master bus. Like, um, but not ever overly compressing the main source going to the bus to take out the dynamic of it. So uh, I call it mixing within the mix so i get all my instruments sounding great as like i like them it's a nice solid mix just a point source you know you know whatever chant you got in your channel strip and then i'll bust everything to its own so my kick drum's on its own bus my snare and toms are on their own bus my guitars are on their own stereo bus my vocals are on the stereo bus uh, another stereo bus my sound design is on another stereo bus i have another mono bus just called balls that's just everything below 80 hertz super compressed super gain made up send like subs on an aux for when i'm doing like european stuff in festivals that they're just a left right system and sometimes i don't like the amount of subwoofer that's in it i want a little bit more so how do i do that separate it down push a little bit more into the main mix boom more sub Mix it like subs on aux it's just my my brain tricking itself to having more reduction, and then making it up with more output transparently. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and I just, for people that may not be following along quite as well, uh, you're taking your input gain, Mm -hmm. not really pushing that and driving it super hard. You're not running your faders, you know, plus six or plus eight.
1: No, I mix pretty much close to uh, unity on input. You know, I try to get unity.
0: And then on those buses, you've got—are you you're running a, a clean bus and a compressed bus, or or you're running your left-right mix and then adding those compressed buses back into the mix?
1: Adding the compressed buses back into the mix, right? So I've got everything is still going straight to the left-right, but it's also being bussed down to their parallel, you know, wherever their little sections, that I need more, you know.
0: Yeah, and then on your zero to Vinny Paul, you're running like. Makeup gain of like plus 13 or something like that. 13,
1: 15, something like that. Yeah, something crazy. You know, squishing it all the way down to where every hit of that kick of the beater, the click that we're looking for is like a trigger. Your ears want to hear that triggering effect because that's what we've, we're used to beat replacements and things like that on records. And if our job is as the engineer is to try to make that band sound as close as the record as we can, we got to try to replicate that live. We can do that with triggers or with compression. I prefer compression.
0: Yeah. You don't have to deal with latency of a, a trigger system or, you know, it's just another thing in the chain that can mm-hmm. give you an issue. And then you also have full control over it as well. So, um, Correct. Uh, not, I hate talking about myself on these podcasts, but I, <laughs> I did get a kick out of, I was doing a bar band a couple of years ago in Madison area and the drummer had just gotten a, a trigger, a, a the rolling pad or whatever with the, the triggers mm-hmm. and halfway through the show, I lost all kick drum and instead it was, it was playing wind chimes. And he somehow, when he was sticking on the pad, he hit a button, scrolled oh my to the next God. preset. <laughs> and, oh my God. Yeah. And then everybody looks at me, you know, like, yeah, like what, it's your fault. what did the sound guy do? Yeah. That the kick drum is making this weird yeah. noise. And you know, it took like, yeah. it took about 15 seconds for me and everybody to realize like Mm -hmm. something is way off here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So yeah, no, no triggers. If you can avoid them, I do, I do support using triggers for like gating your toms and whatnot. Do you ever, yeah. Do you ever do anything like that? I've, I've messed around with that a little bit,
1: but you know, I've just, uh, our, my, our friend, our mutual friend, Kelly Tucker, may he rest in peace. I miss him so much. Yeah. God, I miss that guy. Yeah. Um, he, uh, about, a month and a half after that tour we did together, we were just talking about just stuff as you do, and he was like, "Bro, you need to check out key gating." So I started doing that and just and got really to where I get as almost as accurate of a of a release and all that uh, with key as I would with a trigger. You know, so
0: for those who may not know, and it would be hard to imagine people not knowing who Kelly is, but I do we get a lot of listeners that are fans of bands uh or are just trying to get Mm -hmm. some additional information. But Kelly Tucker was uh probably a guy who lived life to the fullest level possible. And he was He never took anything off
1: anybody and never gave it back.
0: Exactly. And he uh he was the straightest shooter you'd ever meet. He passed away really unexpectedly and really unfortunately um, not too long ago, but he was a fixture in the Detroit music scene and he was Mm -hmm. doing sound for Wilson who was on that tour with stitched up heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And God, you just fell in love with the guy like Mm -hmm. eight seconds after you met him, you, you were like, well, we're never not going to be friends.
1: (laughs) I I recommended him to cover gigs for me. Yeah. You know, like I don't do that to many people. And, i loved kelly very much yeah but anyway he he turned me on to key gating and it's something i use uh all the time
0: we won't go into key gating we'll we'll uh, yeah if people aren't familiar there are lots of tutorials and things that you can find to to go do that do you want to talk a little bit about the fozzy side of things and sort of some of your roles that you that you perform as part of working with fozzy so again multiple hats yeah fozzy is playing you know big festivals they're opening doing direct support for iron maiden in some instances they're traveling the world yeah what are some of your duties as like tour manager and production manager and talk about like advancing shows and and just sort of take us into a day in your life uh when you're preparing for a tour with them
1: well um it's all about planning 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 and being very clear and concise in your advancing um i have the the I had the fortune of being a production manager for 5 years at 120 Tavern before tour managing. So when Rich offered me the gig, basically it was just like, you know, take take your production management uh role and put it in reverse. Now you're you're fighting for the band instead of for the club, right? And so uh basically the way I get ready is I'll, I'll do the routing. I'll send out all the advances uh, about a month out from, from the first show, uh, sometimes earlier. Um, and, you know, I'll have an advance sheet that I'll need a response from, and then I'll, I'll, I'll attach a writer of all our needs and all of our things and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just standard music business stuff that you, you have to have to cover your butt so that you know that when you get there, you have been clear as day as ever, that every that you have. So that, let me rephrase that. You have to be as clear as day as to what you need and what you require for the show as a tour manager. That's just the, the bottom lines of it. If you didn't ask for it, it doesn't exist. So it's all about thinking about thinking around corners and thinking about, you know, 15, 20 steps in advance of what you may need down the line and trying to figure out problems that don't exist before they exist.
0: Sure, and when you're when you're starting to advance those shows, and I'm gonna, I'll simplify this a little bit too for mm-hmm. people that, because I we take this for granted, and again, I, I get a lot of people right. that listen, but advancing is basically sending over all of your requirements and your needs for the show to a venue. So you might advance that you need a, a PA that's capable of Performing at this level, and you'll accept mm-hmm. these brands. Blah 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 blah.
1: Correct. More importantly, what's in the writers is what you will not accept. That's a good point. These are not acceptable s- substitutes. Like, you know, one part of my writer said homemade PA systems do not exist in our in my world. Sorry, it may be your your uncle may be the most brilliant engineer in the world, but I've never heard it, and I can't trust it. And I'm coming in for a day, and I'm leaving. You know, I, I I can't take that risk.
0: Right. Yeah. It's great to work with known entities and, you know, companies that have put thought and engineering into fur filters and all that good stuff. But Correct. are you, when you're advancing those shows, are you working with like a booking manager or are you, how are you finding out about the venues and getting your contacts or is it just legacy knowledge?
1: Yeah. Fozzie's kind of a mom and pop shop. Um, in the fact that we have a manager, Mark and, uh, an agent and I just deal directly with them. I get the itinerary from the agent. I get the, the dates from Mark and I go from there and that's it.
0: That makes it easy.
1: Yeah, it does. You know, so I, t- you know, I take care of the, the hotel bookings and, you know, cause my driver has got to sleep every night. Right. I got to make sure the guys have a shower if the venue doesn't have a shower. So, I, you know, if I got to book a day room, I'll book a day room. If not, we'll, you know, we'll do you know, some sometimes we'll top at gyms or whatever. But, um, yeah, pretty much you have to do everything. once it once they say here's the dates go party i'm like cool good thing i know how to party
0: yeah don't we all so when you are getting ready to go out on a new tour are you guys rehearsing and are you going to a, a rehearsal space so that you can get things dialed in or are things pretty much the same from show to show and you don't really have to worry about that too much
1: it really depends on where we're at in the album cycle. Uh, if there's new songs to learn and stuff like that, then, then they'll go through and do some rehearsals and stuff. And usually we'll, we'll do one or two to knock the dust off before we, we hit the road. But if we're like if it's just coming back, you know, we're home for a couple weeks from a tour. Now, we'll, we'll usually just take those couple weeks, hop back in the bus and just keep it, the party
0: rolling. You know, cool. Can you talk a little bit about the infrastructure that they utilize for like their in-ear monitors and how are you getting signal from the stage to, I'm assuming that you're using something like a DL32 (laughs) and then you're splitting that to like maybe an X32 rack or something like that for ears. Can you talk us through that system a little bit? Yeah. My, my
1: setup is bone simple and I, and I, I basically did it that way on purpose. Uh, uh, it's, Fozzie's a rock and roll band. We don't need a ton of input channels, anything like that. Um, You know, we're running Kempers and live drums and four vocals and, you know, just little stuff here and there. So I've got plenty of input. So basically all I really need is a DL32 and an M32. Um, The last full run we did, uh, I actually did it on purpose with just monitors from front of house. Because I knew we would be doing, we had one gig with Iron Maiden, and I didn't want to have, and I had no experience in a stadium. And I was like, well, I don't want to rely on on a router in a stadium to get my monitors taken care of. Uh, so I'm just going to go monitor in front of the house with, with a Cat5 cable and just know that it's going to work. And so I, I did all I could to make my mix before that gig as perfect as I could uh, through just a regular M32R. And that's what we did. But, yeah, I mean, I'm basically I'm running, um, let's see, uh, when we're full tilt and I've got an X32 rack uh, in there. So I've got, I'll, I'll go, you know, inputs into DL32, then AES, uh, you know, A to front of house, B to the rack, A is the master, B, blah, blah, blah. We, we know how this works. Uh, standard X32, M32 setup. Um, let's see, I've got, what am I running? Five wedge mixes and two to three ear mixes. Uh yeah.
0: That's interesting. I I was gonna ask if they're all on ears or if they're Mm -hmm. all on wedges, so it's a combination.
1: Oh, it's a combination and it's a loud deck. Nice. I know I know that my 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 stage right side fill snare drum is correct when my right eyeball starts twitching every time it hits. And I'm like, yep, we're good. and my artist hits the deck and he's like man that sounds great they don't have anything to worry about
0: oh i know i know that pain all too well uh in a previous lifetime i went to a helmet concert uh in milwaukee somewhere and Mm -hmm. and helmet was the 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 headlining act and the opening band was awful and they started doing you know brought the brought helmet out and started line checking and i was sitting so far back that when the snare drum would hit it was just like a little tap 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 from -hmm. the stage And all of a sudden it was like, crack, crack. And my eye wasn't twitching, but it was loud. And that was a side, that was a side fills.
1: Yeah. Actually, I, side note, I did monitors for Paige one time and uh, for, for Helmet at the Masquerade in Heaven. And he was just so great. I had a stereo ear mix and side fill and wedge mix for him. And he, he hugged me after the gig. He's like, dude, that was one of the most musical mixes I've ever heard in my life. I was like, thanks.
0: That's awesome yeah so sorry i didn't mean to divert but i Mm -hmm. you just triggered a memory and i couldn't stop myself from i love it saying it out loud so you've got your side fill just rocking with that snare and your five wedges three ears yeah
1: well no it's uh let's see three wedge mixes across the front and two side fill mixes uh and then three ears so cj's on ears uh frank my drummer's on ears and randy the bass player he'll he'll do ears sometimes
0: Are those, uh, are they Sennheiser guys? Are they sure guys, a little combination of everything or man, it's been
1: so sad. It's been so long. I've looked at my rack. I think CJ's on a a Sennheiser, uh, 300 IEM. And we've got him on a, we've got him on a, um, uh, QLX, I believe. Oh, sure. With the V with the VLs uh, or the V7 uh, capsule on it, man, that thing is great. It is stable. And I, you know, I, I know that he's going to go out in front of a PA at some point, and it really rejects feedback
0: <laughs> really, really well. <laughs> I stumbled on those V7, the the SE Electronics uh, V7 capsule. I stumbled onto those about two years ago. Yeah, and they were great for little bar bands where the stage oh, yeah. volume super crazy, but they worked really well with Stitch Up Heart. Yep, Mixy was on a fifty eight most of the time, and and now yep. I'm going to try to get her on a DPA capsule just to, for additional rejection. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so you're you're a V7 guy primarily.
1: Well, I'm actually primarily a 58 guy. I, I I don't use smart or anything. I'll tune a room with a 58. You've seen it many many days, and then we'll run an RTA, and it'll be like that's flat.
0: I hope your ears are insured because they uh, they do <laughs> magical things. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Well, and
1: there, there again, that's just an a, 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 an out of necessity way of doing it. You know, we do a lot of gigs where it's a throw and go. Festival kind of thing. And I've got to be able to get that mix dialed in like that. And I'm not going to be able to run pink noise in the middle of it, you know? So uh, change the room instead of changing your mix, I say. And the best way for me to do it's with a 58.
0: Can you, I'll, I'll divert here a little bit, but I do enjoy watching you tune a room with your 58 at the console. Can you talk us, just share with everybody how you go about doing that?
1: Okay. Well, I, like most of us, started off as a monitor guy, right? And back before we had digital consoles how did you tune how did you ring out wedges you got out there with a 58 and a graph EQ or a parametric on your master or whatever and you got all the hate out of it and made it not sound bad made it and coincidentally scientifically I, i believe that makes it flat you know or close to it once you get all the feedback and reject all that stuff out of there your response is typically pretty close to flat if not flat uh, so, um, yeah, I start off with just getting out. I'll take the, uh, the talk back, uh, head amp, uh, because it's got no processing on it whatsoever. It's just a 58 to the left, right? Uh, sign that left, right out. Uh, and just start talking to the PA and grab the parametric first and just kind of get all the problem frequencies out of there and really just kind of ring the, ring the PA. Like I would ring a wedge
0: for those not able to see, uh, Sam is pointing a, a virtual microphone at the PA and he's sweeping it left to right to, to sort of excite the microphone and, and get it to uh, feedback.
1: Yeah. And uh, then from there, I'll go with the graph. Um, but after that, you know, typically I am I can pull my mix in and it works in every room and every situation I've ever been in. Cause I do it. That's how I've tuned all the rooms of the masquerade and I tune every I set up and every day I get off a bus. So
0: think of all the money you're saving on not having a smart license and interface and measurement mics. And
1: listen, I would love to have all that. And I would, you know, and, and it is a money saving thing because I, I, you know, we're a, a small time, you know, kind of, like I said, mom own pop operation, we're not renting stuff. We own everything. I own all the mics, the, the band owns the mixer and, you know, just stuff like that. So we're, we're still, you know, kind of on a budget. But my thing is, if it's not broke, what am I going to fix it?
0: So you say you're small time, but this is maybe a nice segue into talking about the experience with Iron Maiden and working with Pooch. Yeah. And as you know, Pooch was on the podcast. Yeah. He's just such a, God. you're like, you're like the nicest, greatest guy, but he may have you one-upped just a little bit.
1: I, you know, well, I appreciate even being in the same conversation that that guy is even mentioned in, but cause like, that's number one okay so it was so rad I, that that's the first thing i can just say it's just like holy shit i'm here let's, like
0: let's pause one second what were what venue were you at with iron maiden where what uh city country
1: it we were uh we were just one show uh where they invited us um we were at the bank of california stadium in la uh right the the H was the opener and Fozzie was direct support so not only did they was it only one show that we were on, we got shoved in the middle of their production. And at you as a production guy knows how much of a pain in the butt that is. So we show up and it's just rat. Like, holy crap, I'm getting off a tour bus and walking into a stadium. And today I'm going to do a show in front of Iron Maiden with my favorite people in the world. Like, holy crap, this is. Like, you don't get better than this. Uh, And then when we we get there, we get on site. I I, I liaise with all of their production staff, and they take great care of us, got some great dressing rooms together for us. Their catering was just (sighs) Iron Maiden catering. Boy, let me tell you what. It was good. Um, What did you have? I don't even remember. (laughs) (laughs) I just remember it was really good, and it was really rad.
0: I know – I know people might find that hard to believe, but I had the same experience with Steel Panther. Uh, Yeah. We went from like this crummy little bar gig on a Saturday to being in Boston at House of Blues, 3,500 cap room. Yeah. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, catered. And it was awesome. But if you had a a knife to my neck, I couldn't tell you what I ate, but it was just great.
1: Well, same thing. We 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 went over Europe all over Europe with Steel Panther uh, a couple of years ago. It was great, and they yeah they took such great care of us as well. Nick, oh my God, Nick's a great engineer.
0: Oh man, I wish I wish I learned you know a tenth of what he's forgotten because
1: you want you want to talk about mixing at a, at a at a reasonable volume and powerfully. That guy is a mate. Him and, and Bruce Ryder from Five Finger or the, the two guys to me, they're just like this, like, I can talk to you like this, but I feel like I'm being pummeled, you know, it's great. So, uh, yeah. So the catering was wonderful. Um, all that stuff was great. Uh, I, I met up with the Raven age guys first, uh, and they were very super accommodating. Uh, uh we had a little bit of a couple snafus with some stuff, not showing up. that shouldn't, but they helped out. And then uh, finally got to meet Pooch and all the guys on that production, and basically they gave me a left, right, and said, "Have fun." And I did.
0: Did you tie into Pooch's console, or did you? How did that go?
1: Uh, I think it went through his desk. I'm not sure. Uh, they just handed me left, right, and I was like,
0: "Cool, thank you." You got the <laughs> you got the XLR. I got gotcha. you. Okay, yeah. I wasn't following you. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah.
1: They just handed me left, right, and I was like, "Cool, thank you very much." I'll. I'll- And the PA was literally perfect. I didn't, I took one like 2.5 DB dip at 6.3 K just because my mix was a little aggressive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just, I was just like, oh my God, 20 to
0: 20. Yeah. It's a Claire, that's a, they were on Claire Cohesion, which Mm -hmm. uh, people who have listened to the podcast hear me rave about Claire's systems. But it really, you're validating that it is that good.
1: It's it is that good. It is absolutely that good. And anyone anyone who doesn't agree, I, I don't know what to say. I, I just don't know. We we can't even have a cup of coffee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Did their system engineer take care of managing like all of your delay towers and your oh, front yeah. fills and everything? So you literally just left right and that left was it.
1: right, and that was it into a perfect PA. And like I said. Because I was just doing monitors from front of house, I had I knew that I had all the connections. As long as you know, I could see that I had connection at at my console, we were good. And I saw all the inputs coming out. I was like, "Cool," because I've done that before a, a few times, you know, quite a few times. Or I've had to just throw and go. And this was just another throw and go. It just happened to be the biggest one of my career.
0: I can't even imagine. Was uh was Pooch hanging out during your show, or did he show up towards the end and uh, hop on the console?
1: Showed up towards the end and and you know uh, gave me a handshake, said nice job, and off I went. And that was gone. <laughs> that. And Ingvay Malmstein giving me, a, gave me a, a thumbs up during his gig when I was running monitors for him are the two biggest you know kind of professional accomplishments of my.
0: Yeah, I've heard that he is uh, a little particular in how he likes his his stage mix to be. So if you got the uh, the hang loose thumbs up, yeah, I got that's the hang loose thumbs up for sure. If you'll indulge me, I'd like to jump back to a a subject that we were talking about just a minute ago and talk a little bit about the tour management side of things. That's something that is always interesting to me. I was a project manager before I quit to go on tour with Stitched Up Heart full time, but I'm always curious about the tour management side of things. Do you have any specific experiences or crazy stories (laughs) from tour managing that uh, jump out at you?
1: Lots of crazy stories. My, my, I think the biggest crazy story probably is Fozzie across America. Uh, that was when the guys said, "Hey, we're going to do three shows in three time zones in one day, and you've got an, you've got an airplane, and and uh, basically, you just need to figure it out." <laughs> and and we did. We figured it out, and we pulled it off. It was insane.
0: I'm going to insert a sound effect. Actually, I'm not going to because I don't have it, but just imagine a record scratching across the surface. Like, uh-huh. what? How, uh-huh. how does that work? Yeah. How did you, what do you, how does that work?
1: How, how does that work? Okay. So basically, just hella planning and hella advancing. So I had to have, I mean, it was just like advancing three shows, but they just happened to be in one day. And we just happened to be doing it, having to fly from Fort Lauderdale el paso to vegas to get it done and so basically what happened is is uh i woke up at five in the morning on the morning of the show uh and rounded up all these rock and roll hooligans and loaded in at seven uh for a nine thirty a.m show or a 9 a.m show sorry uh and then we left the venue in Fort Lauderdale to go across the street to where, uh, to an airfield where a G four was waiting for us Nice, and we got on the private jet and we flew to El Paso where we, uh, went to uh speaking rock, which is t- to date one of my very f- most favorite venues on the planet. They uh, take care of bands, uh, amazingly well, uh, there in El Paso. And we did a show, uh, at 3 30 and then at 5 30 we took off from el paso the same field we landed out on the same airplane and landed in vegas and at eleven thirty, did the third show of the day and then um i was too tired to sleep as we all know how that goes so um I was able to go to my hotel room at the Hard Rock, at the Hard Rock for about two, two and a half hours. So I just soaked in a tub for about an hour of that and drank more coffee and got rounded up all the hooligans other than our videographer, which I forgot. Uh, his name's is Nathan Mowry. Uh, he does uh, a lot of stuff for AEW Wrestling now, but he's one of my great friends and I will never live down leaving Nathan in Las Vegas until Rich said, hey, where's Nathan? We turned around and got him, uh, went to the airport, and long story long, I got to bed at 7.30 the next night.
0: So you had a full, with all the, I'm trying to do the math on the time zone changes, but it was a significant amount of time that you uh, went without seeing the back of your eyelids.
1: Well, let's just say my day went from 5 a.m. Eastern time to 7.30 p.m. Eastern time the next day.
0: That's a That's a full day.
1: Yeah. It's a full day. Yeah. I earned my, I earned my, my, uh, my, my day rate. on
0: that. What was the, what was the nine o'clock AM show? That's, that's an unusual time.
1: Yeah. It was just a, it was a stunt. Uh, it was promoted in the radio, uh, down there, uh, radio station in Fort Lauderdale was behind it and they sponsored it
0: breakfast with Fozzie.
1: Yeah, it was writer. It was at the, uh, it was for the, the album, the Judas album release. So it was, uh, when you know, we'd have the single that came out in May of seventeen. This was October of seventeen for the rest of the record. So it was kind of the the record release thing.
0: The kickoff, sure. Wow, I would be so burned out after those three shows. I I would. I don't know that I could keep uh, promoting after. <laughs> I'd need a, a good long break after that. But you're you're. Stronger. I think I was back
1: the next day. <laughs> or day maybe I, I think I took two days off and then I had a gig.
0: Of course, he did. You know. <laughs> So when you're doing a, a record promotion like that with Fozzie and you're you're doing a tour to support it, you're probably playing a lot of different venues from festivals to clubs to theaters. Do you Correct. have a venue that you naturally prefer one over the other?
1: Man, that's tough. Um, I'll, I can give you just some... Off the tops of my heads, because I've been to a bunch of them.
0: Let let me make it really generic. Like if somebody, if Fozzy said, "Hey, Sam, we're gonna put together a tour and we're gonna play all three thousand seat theaters, or all eight hundred seat clubs, or all festivals." Mm-hmm. Uh, not specific venues, but you know what? What sort of a
1: okay, okay. Oh, you know, I, I prefer. I prefer headlining clubs, larger clubs um just because we've got the home field advantage you know um it, it's always better to, to be able to to call your own shots in your own house you know um not taking away from doing support stuff at all because all the bands that we have supported and, and all of their crews i mean Steel Panther Nick God we, their Nickelback's crew was amazing to us like uh, like all the like i can't say that it's bad it just if i pre- had a preference I would prefer to headline clubs, you know,
0: what about uh, the PA differences? Do you, do you find any, that you're doing anything drastically different between like a big theater versus a a 500 cap club or, or Oh,
1: tons. Yeah. Typically, uh, you know, big theaters have got a PA that's, that's a little bit more properly taken care of and in line and in phase. And the components are, are, are put together a little bit better and (laughs) well-maintained, You know, we don't have to try to get two subs on the fly on a Sunday in Iowa or where the, wherever the hell I'm at, you know, that um, just isn't happening. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's just, you know, kind of better. It's just like, it's like when you have a Civic, you have a Honda Civic, right? It's a great car. We're talking about the clubs or the Civic. It's a great car. It gets you there. Yeah, you got to do a little work to it. But you know what? You have fun in it. You sling around the dirt a little bit and you don't really care. But then when you get a nice little Acura for your first real car, you take a little bit better care of it, you know, and the families in there, you want, it's a little bit more of an investment. It's the same attitudes and clubs, you know, the nicer the club, the better the stuff is, the, the more the, 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 staff tends to care, you know, uh, one, uh, just examples of that, that kind of stuff, machine shop, warehouse, live Houston, Uh, uh, intersection, Grand Rapids, Canton Hall, Dallas, you know, places that really, you know, and there's a plethora of more, and it's just off the top of my head um, of places that really take pride, the masquerade uh, in what, what they do. And, And it shows and it just makes for a better experience as an engineer and as a tour manager, because you're not dealing with some promoter that's trying to skimp you out of a case of water you know, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense?
0: We ran into that scenario over the case of water um, somewhere in Illinois uh, with oh, the last God. tour I was on, and it, it was just, I couldn't believe that at that level. That you're having
1: that conversation.
0: Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um Have you been to 20 Monroe Live in, uh, I think it's in Grand Rapids, Michigan? I apologize if that's the wrong city. Uh, I have not. Man, that is a phenomenal venue. It's it's nearly brand new. I want to say it's a couple of years old. And I, oh, I'm gonna bristle some hairs with this, but I'm not a JBL uh, PA fan in general. Mm-hmm. I I struggle with them. I after mixing on D and B and L Acoustics and uh, you know, decent Clare, you you just appreciate them. Mm-hmm. I understand. <laughs> They have an awesome JBL array there. The room is acoustically treated. I think it's like 2,500 cap. Um, I would play that place every single night if I could. The, the crew is fantastic. System engineer, fantastic. Oh, yeah. If you get a chance, go. Yeah. Don't say no to that place.
1: Have you had the pleasure of been going to the machine shop yet?
0: I missed that show. Uh, speaking of the Honda Civic, uh, I was a mechanic in a previous life, and I normally do <laughs> all of the work on my own cars but I was pressed for time. It was last summer and that we were supposed to be, I was supposed to be mixing stitched apart yeah. with, with you guys that summer. Yeah. And so I was getting ready to go to Flint and I had a CV axle fail on my, on my car Ugh. and it was the middle of summer and I was like, you know what? I'm going to let, I'm going to let a shop do it. I'm just going to wash my hands of it and I'm going to, I'm going to trust them to do it. So I yeah. got the car back. I think that show was on like a Sunday and I got the car back on Friday afternoon. I drove it around just to make sure everything was good. I was like, mm-hmm. perfect. I hit the road on Saturday to go to the show and halfway there, the CV axle failed. I remember that now. I remember
1: Mixie freaking out because you were, you were on the way and then you couldn't make it.
0: Oh man.
1: And and then, but we knew that you were going to be okay because John Tanner was there. So I was going to, my whole, my whole point of saying that is like house guys, house engineers, John Tanner from the machine shop is one of my favorite people on the planet and one of the best system and house engineers of anybody you'll ever run into.
0: You won't believe this, but I'm talking to him in two days to record an episode for Mixmasters and he he was Perfect. You tell him I said hello. I absolutely will. Yeah. So I, I've not been in the machine shop. I kicked myself unbelievably hard and not as hard as I kicked the shop that I took the car to afterwards. <laughs> right. Oh right. man. Yeah. And I didn't even have them try to take care of it. I, I took it home and did it myself. And it's been great, you know, for you know, another ten thousand miles. If if only yep. I'd done that, I would have been at that show
1: yeah well hopefully soon when the world is back to whatever it's going to be it's not going to be normal it's not going to be new normal it's just going to be something else we'll be able to do some shows in the shop again you know i know fozzy was scheduled on one of these tours uh or is scheduled i don't know what we're doing
0: that's a great segue uh because we're coming up on an hour here and we're we're getting near the end of our time Mm -hmm. together but what do you uh what do you have in the waiting in the wings once things get back to normal are you guys looking at doing some touring right away sort of ease into it well
1: it it's we have a tour scheduled right now uh, we have a lot of tours scheduled right now but we're still waiting to make sure the promoters are still going to do it so we're actually kind of in the crunch zone I'll, I'll, I'll know within a, a week or so if I'm if I need to send out advances or not and then I'll have about a month before we hit the road but I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen you know um, it's so that's the scariest part about all this is the uncertainty. Uh, and and our, our inability to have any power to, or, or any control to change anything, you know, um, a virus is a virus. It doesn't matter if the, your race or your your uh, economic status or where you live or anything, um, you are a human and it is going to try to get inside of you. And, um, you know, we don't know how that's going to play out. You know,
0: there's an old saying in the, in the construction industry that says, uh, water always wins. That's why we have the grand Canyon, but I would argue viruses always win nearly, nearly always, but I guess we beat a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't such a good analogy.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know, brother. I don't, I really don't, I don't know what's on, what's on the horizon, but I will, I will tell you this. Um, I am preparing as if, uh, the bus is ready to leave tomorrow, you know, uh, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to prepare for the worst and, um, you know, uh, but also prepare for success.
0: Yeah. Well, that's sort of the cool thing that you alluded to a, a little bit earlier was, you know, Fozzie's a rock and roll band. You can, you can throw your M 32 in the bus and go and make it work. You don't have to do a lot of pre-production and rehearsal and all that fun stuff. So that, that is an advantage.
1: Yeah yeah, I mean, they're playing live instruments and, you know, and and live microphones and we've been doing it a long time. So it's, yeah, of course we're going to need some rehearsal, but it, it, you know, it's not going to be
0: tough. Uh, One final question. Are you doing anything to sort of keep yourself entertained or occupied or busy? Are you venturing in any, into any new things, uh, sound related or otherwise right now?
1: Absolutely. Um, So because I was always a guitar player and not an engineer before I started doing live sound I'd never really learned how to record so I've been really kind of diving into that and taking all my experience that I have as a live engineer and translating that into uh, you know uh, studio engineering um, and just learning the DAW and and just all that kind of stuff and and also trying to get my bands back together and make some more music. I've got a, uh, a couple cover projects that have been floating around in my head for a while. So, you know, I've, I've been keeping myself really, really busy, but staying at the house.
0: No, oh, that's cool. And I said that that was the last question, but I, I do want to ask one follow-up question. because yeah, please. It was really... Sur-
1: I'll sit here all night, man. I don't care.
0: I might take you up on that because I'm quarantined and... Uh, I really enjoy talking to you, but I'll be <laughs> respectful. Uh, All right. So with venturing or dabbling in the recording side of things, the studio side, what are some of the biggest differences that you're running into and in how you set up your mix or how you set up your gain staging? I've I noticed with just even doing the podcast, the studio side is so unforgiving, like every little breathy pop comes Mm -hmm. through you know it like blows my eardrums out and i spend a lot of time eqing and mastering after the fact but what are you finding
1: so here's the thing i don't treat it any differently mixing is mixing right if it's in the box if it's outside the box as long as you have your room tuned and and aligned and your source aligned um ultimately at the end of the day your board tape lip mixing live should sound like a studio recording if you're on a large format pa because it's going to a flat source in theory, right? And everything is represented. Um, so I, honestly, I haven't been treating it very differently at all. I, I've set up my, my, my template basically as all of my busing that I have in my, my M32. I basically have set up logic to just kind of operate like my, my M32, and I just add or subtract tracks as I need. You know, and everything is still bussed out. I mix the same, you know. Um, it's actually kind of cool
0: you make it sound so easy and uh i that's why i love hate you because (laughs) i watch you mix shows and it you're just it's you know so fluid and and second nature and and i'm over there you know like pulling every string and turning every wire and everything imaginable and and you're just like eh it'll work it's gonna sound good
1: hey well the the biggest thing is make sure your source is good right start at the source start with the right microphone On the right cabinet, positioned right with the right gain structure, going into the right gate, into the right amount of compression, with the right EQ on it, uh, being passed into the right bus. You know, it it all starts from the source, and as long as all those things line up, it is simple. I don't like my faders are at unity. My input is at unity. My outputs are at unity. All I really have to do once the mix, once the 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 show starts going, is ride guitar solos. Throw the effects on there, make sure everything kinda sticks together. And if you do what some of the 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 gain reduction stuff we were talking about, uh those loud pops and things don't don't uh don't happen. So maybe try something there. All
0: right. And I swear this is going to be the last story I tell. Um, Okay. But speaking of pops and whatnot, and talking about trying to get subwoofers into a venue on a Sunday in the middle of Iowa, (laughs) (laughs) I've got to tell the story. I've alluded to it. (laughs)
1: Make sure that people know that I'm a very
0: lenient and very kind.
1: And like I try everything I can do to make it easy on the venue and easy on everybody at all times. Because that's just how I roll. I'm a house guy when I'm home.
0: Proceed. All right, so it, it was hilarious. We were at this uh, venue, and I'm not going to say the name or anything like that because right. the guys were great. Everything was everything was mm-hmm. cool. But we pull into this venue, and and you go to sound check, and I think you're like, "Well, this is a pretty bumping PA. I'm gonna. It looks like it's gonna, you know, have some guts to it. So let's let's play a little too short uh, for system tuning, and you you turn up too short, and there's almost zero bass, like like none. And the look on your face was absolutely priceless. <laughs> and I'm sorry I'm laughing so much, but Let,
1: let's put let's put perspective in this. Okay. This is not a club. This is a large venue. This is probably twenty five hundred cap at least I'd say. Yeah. With, with a pro two at front of house and Mons. I think it was a it was a Vertec rig. It wasn't a VR it wasn't a um it was a full Vertec rig.
0: Yeah. Eight eight main hangs per side. Uh just yeah. like on paper, this should have been the best Sounding venue, ever almost of the club, yeah, yeah. and uh,
1: of the of the tour. And so
0: you're you get this look on your face, and you try a different song, and you're like, "You sure those subwoofers are working?" And the guy's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, they're they're fine. We've we've had bands here, we had a band here two nights ago." Huh. You're like, well, "I should I should be getting a lot more low end than I am." And so, long story short, we find out that like half of the subwoofers are <laughs> blowing. And, like
1: no, like no nothing. Just nothing.
0: They're so blown that the amps are overheating and tripping breakers. Yeah. But yet they didn't realize that that was happening. And then I remember you breaking out a screwdriver and pulling one of the subwoofer cabinets out, taking the driver out of the, out of the box. We robbed a 9-volt battery from, like, a guitar mm-hmm. pedal or something. And you had, like, half of their crew around you. Like, they'd never seen the inside of a speaker box before. Yeah. And you're like, all right, now we're going to touch these two wires to the nine volt battery that's wired to the sub. And if the sub is good, what do you think going to happen? It was just blank stares. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, you, you tapped it and it didn't do anything. Meaning, you know, the coils, the voice sh- coil shot done. Yep. And yep. so you're like, well, that there's a problem. <laughs> so <laughs> what are we going to do to fix it? And the house is like, well, there's nothing we can do to fix it. And I, I think you ended up making them rent some two by 18s or something. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes you just have to say, hey, I, you know, without these certain components, we can't do the show. Like, I, I'm not going to let this artist be represented to to all these people that have paid all this money to come see them to anything less than at least adequate. You know, not not even exceptional, at least adequately represent them. You know what I mean? Like I, my goal is I, I want I want you. Guys, I want people to walk away from the show going, oh, my God, it's the best thing I've ever heard. From the best band i've ever seen in my life it was a life-changing experience and i've inspired some young kid to pick up a guitar or something you know and you know that's that's what i like to do um i can't do that with broken shit man <laughs> you know and bands pay me money to stick up for them and fight for them and that's what i do
0: i think that's a great place to call it a day so All right. sam it was super awesome to see you and talk to you i i'm so grateful for your time but Man, thank you so much, and I hope uh, we're we're on the road together soon.
1: Hell yeah, brother! I hope all is well with you and yours, and be safe and be happy in everything that you do.
0: I can't I can't add anything to that, so we'll call it good. Thanks, Sam. Peace, brother. And that's a wrap on today's show. I hope that you found it equal parts entertaining and informative. This show is recorded on an Allen and Heath D Live system with sure microphones and Waves Tracks Live. I use Skype, FaceTime, and Facebook Messenger to meet with my guests, so the occasional robot voice is to be expected. Thanks again to Merrick Goodwin for the awesome show music, and to you for listening. Be sure to visit the Mixmasters website at www.mixmasterspodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend. Mixmasters can also be found on Facebook and Instagram at Mixmasters Podcast. That's all one word. Give a like, follow us, and never miss out on new episodes.